and welcome to She's the Boss Chats. I'm your host, Jules Brooke, and in the show, I interview amazing women and female founders about what it is that they're doing and why they're doing it. It's all about us lifting up the women around us. Hi, and welcome to She's the Boss, the show that is all about female founders and women doing extraordinary things in business. Now, if you like the show, please will you comment, subscribe, do all those sorts of things on the YouTube channel. But in the meantime, I am extremely excited with my guest today. Her name is Mim Bartlett. Mim is the founder and MD of Mim Bartlett Consulting and Change Up. She's an executive leadership coach, a facilitator, lawyer, psychotherapist, and keynote speaker. Wow. So hi, Mim. It's so great to have you on the show. Hello, Jules. Lovely to see you and thank you so much for the invitation. My absolute pleasure. Now, let's just start off with what is it that Mim Bartlett Consulting does and the Change Up program. Tell us all about that. Lovely. So I have a boutique leadership consultancy and we specialize in authentic leadership. So really exploring who leaders are um, in every aspect of their life. So both personally in their family, friendship group, community work, as well as who they are professionally and also bringing together the interconnection of well-being and leadership. So we're really interested in making sure that people are really thriving and flourishing outside work because then they can bring all that energy, joy, engagement and fulfillment into work. So it's very much a holistic approach to leadership. Fantastic. And so Change Up is a signature program, but I also run workshops and do keynote speaking and work as an executive coach. Wow. So what an enormous uh, (laughs) group of things that you do. Can you tell me Mm -hmm. why? Was there a reason why you decided to run these programs and move into this space? Yeah, so I've worked Um, with female executives in different consultancies since I moved back to Australia from Asia 21 years ago. And, you know, thankfully, not long after we came back, the market opened up in terms of companies wanting to invest more in their female leaders to increase the pipeline and have more women in senior positions, which obviously is still a problem in Australia and not just in business, but it's something we need to work on across all levels of this country. Um, And so I was lucky enough to um, work in that area. And then as I did different work over the many years, I felt there was a gap in looking at and exploring who women were as leaders outside their professional life and also looking at well-being, so how we were supporting ourselves physically, emotionally and mentally and not just from a work perspective. And so I've been lucky that um, a lot of my clients through COVID has seen the need and, and, and actually that's one thing that I think has come out of COVID that people realise that they do need to invest in mental health and invest in their people, not just kind of from technical skills perspective, but um, from a mental health perspective. And because Change Up brings together those two aspects, it's taken my business to the next level, but it's also been just a fantastic support. And I do mainly work with women, so female executives. So, you know, a lot of females have extra caring responsibilities, which has been enormously stressful. And so, yeah, I've just, 
you know, it's been, yeah, really enjoyed that. I just think what you're doing is so important because uh, certainly out of the She's the Boss group, we run these lunches every Friday. Mm. And there was one lunch that we had where I, it just kind of blew my mind because of the 16 women I was looking at, about five or six of them said that they had burnt out completely from pushing yeah. themselves too far yeah. in the, in terms of their health. And as a result of that stress, they had all sort of ended up having to completely change their careers. They literally couldn't get out of bed, some of them for wow. a year. Uh, and it's just so wow. important. It's something that we forget. We push ourselves and we push ourselves and we're yeah. juggling all these things. And the next thing is your body goes, uh-uh, not going to do it anymore. And, and your whole career kind of yeah. goes haywire, I guess, you know, I mean, you might have to give it up. So it's super important what you're doing. But also, Jules, to take, to invest in ourselves and to start setting boundaries, asking for help and saying no more before we get to that stage where the Mack truck hits us and then we're out. But to do that before we That's get right. to that. And I, and I talk a lot about in my programs, um, around how, you know, women in particular are really socialized to please and to be available and to be there for other Aren't people. Aren't we lovely? We have to... <laughs> you say all that, I'm like, <laughs> we just sound so fabulous as women. <laughs> Yeah, but the thing is, it's, it's at often great cost yeah. to ourselves. And so we really need to balance that because otherwise we end up needing to be in bed for a year and we want to circumvent that. Absolutely. I know. I was really shocked. I just thought, wow, you know, there is mm. something in us, particularly if you were around in the eighties, which I was, where it was just go, go, go. You know, there's no such thing. You've just yeah. got to grab everything when you can. And of course, you know, thank goodness now it's much more holistic and we yeah. do think about our health and our well-being and our mental health as well. Um, and yeah, as you said, with COVID and the extra stresses on women, uh, it's interesting. I mean, I feel like there's a movement coming where we're going to change things yeah. because it just can't continue as it, as it has been in business. So it will be interesting to see over the next uh, year or so how, how everything evolves to see whether the, those changes that we loved, I guess, that came out of COVID um, as well yeah. as all the bad things, you know, but that time to sort of stop, pause and reassess things is mm -hmm. is interesting. So anyway, I want to know all about you. This is an interview is about you. So can you, I want to take you back maybe to, I don't know, high school or whenever you think is appropriate to tell me how your career yeah. has evolved to now. Because, so one thing before we sure. do that, I want to say that it, it will be interesting to see how kind of at a macro level, organizationally, you know, as a society, we, we, what changes we make. But I think that we also have to kind of not wait for someone to tap yeah. us on the shoulder and say, you know, you just take it easy a bit. Like we need to take accountability and responsibility as much as we can for, for designing our life and trying to set some boundaries and work out what our limits are, which which isn't easy and I'm not suggesting it's easy because there's often a lot of pressure in organisations with, you know, less resources and then people, you know, wanting you to do more with less. But, you know, we also have to, like, take as much responsibility as we can to create that for Absolutely, ourselves. and we need to bring the men that are mm. um, very much championing us, and there's a lot of them um, yeah. along on the journey too. Yes. Yesterday I, I was talking with a woman who had been very senior in an organisation and um, – 
she, you know, had been working weekends. She'd been traveling all the time, weekends, the whole lot for this company. And she had said to them, look, I think that my health is really, you know, being affected. Could I go to a nine day fortnight just to give myself a little bit of time? And they said, no, we don't think that's appropriate. You can leave rather than do that. And I thought, wow, that just kind of blows my mind that somebody would drive someone into the ground like that. Yeah, and, and most women are kind of at their end point when they do that's ask right. that. I mean, well, that's an interesting question. Maybe that's not the type of culture that's going to best support her. No, it. of course not. Oh, no, no, she, I'm, I'm sorry no, no, well, she did leave and now she's, you know, running her own business and mm. it's great. But it just really brought home to me the, how difficult it is to ask those kind of questions, especially when you're feeling really stressed and strung out. Wow. That's right. And then and then to get that answer is And I bet she's really not alone. disappointing. I mean most big corporates, you know, they have to allow flexible part time. So that was so interesting that they said no. Oh, I think it's good. more in that mid sized business and often and often those businesses yes. that have grown organically um, and so there isn't a lot of structure and everybody has been sort of driving yeah. and tr- striving to try and make the most and they just completely dismiss the the health of the you know their employees yeah. that are also pushing themselves beyond belief but anyway so back to you tell me all about your career oh, gosh <laughs> okay well look i did a i did a law arts degree at melbourne uni majoring in mandarin chinese but can I've i just done, ask um, why, why chinese um, i mean that's really interesting that you chose to do that <sighs> Well, it was the early 90s, so it was very different then. The, the Japanese was the flavour of the month, and I actually didn't know anyone who was studying Chinese. But I, I'd done French at, um, in HSC, and I wanted to do a language that was very different. So I went and interviewed the heads of the Russian, Chinese, and Japanese departments at Melbourne Uni <laughs> and really liked the Chinese head and just felt I wanted to do something different than everybody else was doing. And I knew law would be pretty dry. And so I'm so glad I did Chinese because um, it was different and it was very communist then and nobody was working really there or it was very kind of off limits. But slowly it started to open up and so the opportunities I, I had from that experience were really, you know, very special. So, um, look, I, I love my time at uni. Law was pretty dry, so um, it did confirm that and I'm glad that I did have the something more interesting like Chinese. And I wanted to make sure that um, law wasn't for me. So I, I, I did my uh, articles at Mallison's, which is big, a, big a law corporate firm, law yep. firm, Nucking and Wood Mallison's. Yeah, and it did confirm that it wasn't a good fit for me, but it was a really great training background. The people I met were wonderful. And so I wanted to fulfill my dream of living and working in China. So you might remember um, – the early 90s, there was a recession yes. and it was pretty hard to get a job. But I, I found one working in recruitment in Hong Kong for Drake and they um, wanted me to work with them with a view to moving and helping them move into China. So I did, but they kind of got cold feet and so they stalled their plans. So I decided to leave because I wanted to get into China. And I found a sports marketing company that was run by some Americans who were keen to open an office there. They bought the first ATP tour tennis wow, event to China right. with Michael Chang and the Sanchez brothers, which is a long time ago. Um, but it was really 
it was really exciting. It was very challenging because there weren't many. No, I was going to say they must have loved you with your blonde hair and being all tall and uh, not like a lot of the Chinese people Uh, around. Did you find that that really stood you in good stead because you are so obviously Western or was there a bit of a, um, I, I guess, sort of settling in period where people were sort of not trusting you at first and then slowly did? How did, how did it sort of pan out for you having moved to China? Yeah. Look, um, it was great that I was able to disarm quite a lot of people because <laughs> they didn't expect me to speak Chinese. So that was really um kind of fun sometimes it, it, it was quite hard work because we were educating them about what sports marketing and right. sponsorship was so that you know it was and the hotels you know it was it was very um early days there so things were quite hard but I really did love the challenge the Chinese were so friendly to me and the further I got out of the big cities I just attract crowds <laughs> of hundreds <laughs> of people following me because they'd never seen anyone with blonde hair. So, look, that was all an adventure and I did have a lot of fun there. Um, but, yeah, it, it was also it was also hard work and quite lonely at times, but it was both. And I, I love the adventurous kind of the frontier type of work because living and working in Asia in those days meant that you could get opportunities that I definitely wouldn't have got back in Australia. And so I feel, yeah, really grateful about that. And what's, um, what sort of age, sorry, uh, just, after, so what sort of age were you then when you were doing the sports marketing yeah. in China? I mean, roughly sort of mid-20s? Yeah, so mid-20s. That's a really exciting yeah, that's right. and amazing and very um, out of the box, really, for you to go to such a country that was just yeah. so different to Australia. Yeah, that's right. And so, I mean, interestingly about the – were any of them – kind of a bit suspicious that there was a period because I studied at Nanjing University on a scholarship um, whilst I was studying at Melbourne Uni in the Chinese department and um, I befriended some local Chinese um, people in Nanjing and her father was a government carter, so government right. official, and she invited me back to their home, which is where in a big compound where all other government officials worked. And it was the feeling in those days that um, – uh, foreigners were a little bit kind of just a little bit a little bit too out there for some you know in, in government and so I was having a cup of tea at their home and a knock came on the door and some of their neighbours popped over and they asked me to go into the laundry and they shut the door and I had to wait in the laundry while the other government officials came in and talked to them just had a cup of tea with them because they didn't <gasps> Wow. You know, they didn't want them to see that there was a That's foreigner really there. That's really interesting, isn't it? How <laughs> so to feel welcome. It was interesting. <laughs> so it was very different. How to feel welcome, exactly. But then others were so welcome. So it was just, there was just a little bit of suspicion yeah. still in those days. We didn't have any of the, any Western shops or restaurants or anything like that, you know, there is now. So, you know, it was just a bit, just a bit too different, a bit too wow, new. Wow, so... But, but that was part that was part of the fun. Well, I, it was, you know, I part love of the it and I love it that you did it sort of in your early twenties when it's um you know, it's time to go and kind of explore new boundaries. So how long did you stay there for? And what and did yeah. you just did you stay for a lot longer and do other things? Uh, look, I was in Beijing and then Shanghai for uh, about two right. years on and off and then back and forth to Hong Kong. And after a while, I joined Prince, the racket manufacturer, and um, they were one of our clients. And I was a little bit sick of China then, and I wanted to move into looking and working in other countries right. in, in Asia. And so they gave me the job of looking after them um 
their distributors in Southeast Asia, Australia and New Zealand. And it was actually such a lovely break to go to other countries and work in other countries and but be based in Hong Kong. So I really love that. I mean, what, marketing wasn't quite for me. That wasn't quite my sweet spot either, but it was great to experience kind of Asia Pacific from a, a work perspective. And then uh, I met this great man in Hong Kong. We got married and his job took us to Singapore. And that was really nice to live in Singapore after China and Hong Kong. Singapore was so green and clean and so easy to live in. Everything worked so beautifully and was just like clockwork. And, um, and that was just lovely. And I was, I'd always wanted to study psychotherapy. So I started studying that part-time and I was not sure what was next for me and a um, a headhunter said, why don't you try facilitation just while you're looking for a job? And I started doing that for a US company and really enjoyed the independence and autonomy of that and also enjoyed working with different companies, you know, but um, kind of coming in and so, coming sorry, out. Let me just stop and you so that What great, exactly yeah. do you mean by facilitation? Because I know you can facilitate meetings, yeah. but I don't know of it in, in a broader sense. What is mm. facilitation? What were you doing? Yeah, so that was more um, kind of what would like more old style training, which is, you know, courses that I would right. run, you know, selling skills, negotiation skills for big clients. And so training had more of a teaching aspect, whereas we kind of when we talk about facilitation, it's more um, imparting information, but also bringing together people and facilitating conversations and discussions. And that's kind of a higher skill level when we talk about facilitation rather than just delivering right. content. And so I would say that I started off more kind of in a training capacity. And then as I moved into another consultancy where the programs were much more fluid and about career resilience and leadership development, it was much more facilitation. So it was discussions and conversations, not just here is the information. Now write it down in your workbook. And You're right. That so kind of yep. evolved, which, which really played to my skills and interests more because um, – I didn't. I, I wanted to do more of the the deeper conversations and the, the the transformational work, and that's where my psychotherapy skills came into play. Because I, once I graduated, I did work as a psychotherapist in in private practice and working with um, kind of low 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 socioeconomic clients in Doncaster in Melbourne, and that was um, we moved home 21 years ago and I wanted just to try it out to see if that was, I did want to work as a psychotherapist one-on-one or if I wanted to bring my skills as a therapist into doing deep group work. And, and I realized that I actually wanted to work with people who were already flourishing and wanted to go to that next level. So really taking the mask off in the corporate world and working very deeply from an inside out perspective. And so really my psychotherapy skills have enabled me to hold very deep group work and and so that's been the best application of where I I use my Amazing. psychotherapy skills. Okay so you what what happened after mm. Singapore and how long were you there for? So we were there for 3 years and it was a really beautiful time I loved being an expat <laughs> and connecting and meeting so many interesting people from different countries. I don't do as much of that in Melbourne being home 21 years now my Groups of friends tend to be, you know, don't have the same yeah. cultural mix, which I do miss. 
and also the ease with which you would kind of travel internationally and have so many cultures around you was so interesting. But I, I, after many kind of attempts at IVF, we um, we were lucky to conceive wow, twins. Wow, congratulations. it was time to move back to Australia. <laughs> I've got twins as well. Yeah, I was, I yeah, was so happy. You don't know, yeah, you don't know right, what you're letting yourself in for, so, but it's wonderful. Yeah. It's wonderful and it's crazy for the first few years. So how, so you came yeah, back to Australia crazy, pregnant exactly. with twins. Did you take some time yeah. off for the first couple of years yeah. or, or something? Because I just know how hellish it is trying to bring them up um, at that stage. How did you juggle it all? Yeah, well, look – well, I was lucky. So I start, I was still studying psychotherapy and I was working for consultancy, but I just chose the work that I took on. And because I spoke Chinese, I wanted my boys to speak Chinese from when they were born and have that around them. And so I decided to put an ad in the local Chinese newspaper and I found a beautiful Chinese woman who didn't speak English and she was, she was wanting to come and live with her an Australian Perfect. family. So she moved in and so she helped with the boys and it meant that I could still study and yep. still work part time. Um, and she was amazing. And then she was able to speak Chinese to the boys and they could listen and love her. And so, so Jules, that amazing. helped a lot. Yeah, yeah. But, what, but also you know, what a great mum you are. I mean, firstly, you've done all of these different amazing um, courses and then you go and get a Chinese nanny or, or whatever, child, uh, somebody to help with the kids. And I just love it that she couldn't speak English. Does your husband speak Chinese as well or was it just you talking to her and the boys? No, it was it was just me. But in a way, we lived we didn't live in a big house, so it was quite nice that we still had a bit of privacy, Mike and I. And but she had beautiful energy, so Mike really loved her energy. And and as she started to learn a little bit of English, um, and so she improved a lot. But it, it was also quite nice too. But no, he couldn't <laughs> well, communicate. And what with about her. and what about the boys? <laughs> Did they learn fluent Chinese? Are they fluent in Chinese now? Uh, well, they did speak to her for the for three years in Chinese, and then she left, and we couldn't oh, find another no. Chinese person, and so that would work. So then I got a beautiful New Zealand lady for two years, and uh, so the boys didn't keep didn't keep it up till they got to school, and it was quite rudimentary the Chinese that they learnt at school, and then they decided by the time they got to Year Seven and had to choose two languages between French, Latin, and Chinese that they felt they would be disadvantaged and they, in terms of the ATAR score and yeah. they wanted to get a really high ATAR and they would be competing with um, native-born Chinese speakers. So they, in the end, they didn't do it. But but Richie, actually, one of my twin boys, after school, um, he went and lived in Beijing for three months and lived with a Chinese family and studied at a, at a Chinese language school and, and he was really keen to to kind of get his Chinese up. So he loved that. And I think the early experiences they had hearing Chinese so young, most yeah, it must, it must sort of that. come back yeah. to them at some stage if you've learned at that early age. Okay, so you came back to Australia, you had the twins, yeah. um, you were working part-time for the first bit. What happened next? So, yeah, working for different consultancies, seeing kind of what I liked and what I didn't like and where I wanted to play. And then only about seven years ago, I decided that there was, for a couple of reasons, one, I felt there was a gap in the market around authentic leadership. I did a lot of research and found 
Bill George's work from Harvard, who I really love, and I just made it very experiential, very interactive, and decided that's the work I wanted to do. And I also, um, I also wanted to work for myself. I decided that I didn't want the constraints of working for someone else and doing things on their terms. And I felt that I had enough um, knowledge and enough connections um, that I could go out on my own. So I, w- I was look, I was really pleased to do that, Jules, and I'm so pleased I did. And I absolutely love having my own business. I mean, it means that I'm the yes. one getting the business. So, you know, like, you know, so like I'm always, you know, on the yep. road for business, so to speak. So no one gives it to me. It's so challenging. That, that, it's challenging. That, you know, there's yeah, always when you go the, out on your own, that's that whole yeah. thing of yeah. not only I need clients now, but where yeah. are they going to come from when this project ends is kind of stressful, yeah. especially as, you know, you're trying to do the work work yeah. and nobody's just feeding that through to you. But exciting yes. as well and very fulfilling. Yeah. Exciting. And also means that I can play exactly where I want to play and I don't have to report to anyone. And I am a very independent, autonomous person. So I really do love that. I'm so glad I did that, Jules. I really am. Oh, fantastic. That's what I love to hear. I mean, yeah, it's just wonderful. So, I mean, the downsides, which, you know, is is the getting of the business. It is more like, even though I've got a beautiful team and I get them in when I need extra facilitators, it is more lonely being on my own and therefore I've worked hard to create a really strong community around me. So I have, uh, you know, a women's group, we meet monthly and we've met for 18 years and then I've got other female mentors and special women in my life who I regularly connect in with. Um, but there yeah, are so challenges, you know, yeah. There's some of the, you know, when to delegate, when there are challenges, but overall just the freedom and I've, I really wanted to take my business globally so I could do it when I wanted to do that. And, you know, I, I really love building relationships. And so to me, it's just a natural extension, you know, building relationships, getting a new business. I do re- really enjoy that side of it, even though, you know, like it's, <laughs> I have to do it a lot to bring in business, it does, it does feel quite natural to, cause I do feel that, you know, bringing in business is really all about relationships and how I can help people. And I do invest a lot of time in my community and all my business is word of mouth. And so I don't advertise on LinkedIn or, it just or comes. anything else. And business has come through my, through my clients and community. And I love that. And I love connecting and introducing my community and seeing how I can support them. And it feels like, you know, there's this good karma out there. The more you put out, you know, you, you get yeah, back. It absolutely and it's is. Now, something though has resonated with me from what you were mm. saying, because certainly when you go out on your own, I think it's super important to get out to networking events and just build up, as you say, that community. But yeah. you said you've been meeting with the same group of girls for 18 years. That's hilarious. Tell me how that happened because that's such a long time to stick with the same ones. Often people move in different directions and so, you know, those groups can break up, but yours obviously hasn't. I know it is interesting. So when I was in Singapore, I came across Diane McCann's work and it's she's based in South Australia and it's called The Goddess Within and she brings women together in a personal development with a spiritual focus as well. And then she leaves Singapore and then she organises women to catch up kind of monthly afterwards. And so I got the idea from her and so I started to bring together really 
interesting women to connect more deeply when we came together each month. And I love that experience. So when I came to Melbourne, I wanted to continue that. And I decided to actually just ask my therapist friends because I wanted to come together and really have deep conversations where everybody had done quite a lot of personal work so that we were all kind of on the same page. And yeah, it has been amazing, Jules, but it is the same group and it's really special. We're different ages. I'm the youngest and I love hearing the experience of other women going through (laughs) menopause or into grandmotherhood. You know, the kids are older than me and I love seeing what's before me and how they handle it and they're very wise women. So I learn a lot and we have quite strict you know, it, there's quite strict kind of ground rules around it, but it works really, really well. So it's been Amazing. a very and I also am fascinated life. because I thought you would be finding other yeah. consultants, but you were actually looking for that deeper level, um, which is possibly why you've all stayed together so long because you know each other so well. Yeah, that's right, and we really support and challenge each other in a in a kind of safe, loving way as well. But Jules, definitely, I have a lot of you know, different colleagues who are consultants that we pick each yeah. other's brains and I can call and ask them for ideas and, you know, and, and that's very helpful because it is a bit lonely on my own. So to have those people that I can call and they call yeah, me well, it's really lovely. fantastic. Now, um, I'd love to know in the course of running your own business over the last 20-odd years, um, I guess I'm just interested to know if you've had any challenges along the way where something maybe hasn't worked out the way you thought it would and you've just gone, oh, my God, what am I going to do? And then you look back in in hindsight and go, well, it made me change direction or try something different and it was a gift, but at the time it felt like a disaster. I love hearing those stories. Have you got any like that you could share? Yeah. Look, my main main one, which is – in my, a few people might have had this, is for so long I've resisted <laughs> going online and people have said to me, there's so much opportunity to scale, you can reach more people. And I said, but I really love face-to-face and that would take the magic away. I don't want to spend much time on the computer. It's, it's, the magic is in the room face-to-face. And so when COVID hit, there was this moment where I thought, well, I just take a break from business rather than going online. I mean, because no, none of us knew how certainly long didn't expect it to be seven months. We, <laughs> I mean, none of us. Oh, and, and then, Jules, and now so many companies yes. want this Well, it's just opened up this whole world. And, of course, so, the other thing is the people that you see in the yes. room have to be local to you, whereas when you can go online, all of a sudden the world opens yeah. up, never mind yeah. just the country. Um, so has that happened for you? Have you embraced it now? I know. Well, yes, it, it took it, it took a while. I took a deep breath because te- technology yeah. is, is not one of my strengths. And, um, but I went, I'm going to get into this. I'm going to do something about it. And I did find some great, um, people who technology producers who you were online with me from the beginning, just to kind of like make sure it was all, awesome. because I think that's one of the biggest challenges is not my facilitation and will they enjoy it and get a lot from it, but it's, will, will it all, will the technology work? And then suddenly it's a bit like me with cars and, 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 and I'd say so most women with challenge. cars, you just have to trust the mechanic that what they're saying is true. And if you don't know technology yeah. and there's also yeah. that fear, what if something yeah. goes wrong and I won't know how to fix it? But 
But it, it is I a know, beautiful thing, really. Ease. Once you master it, yeah. it, it, you know, I mean, I certainly am talking with women yeah. all over the world. I've just got off a call with someone in Turks and Caicos. So, um, you know, it does sort of just open up everything and make you feel like they are in the room with you. Yeah, Jules, it's so, it is so special. So once it took me some time to get on top of it and my two biggest clients, ANZ and Suncorp, decided in COVID that they wanted to increase the number of programs that they were offering to their women and increase the reach and so make them more global and have women from New Zealand and Asia and Australia all in the same groups. I work with groups of 10 to 12 women at a time. And then the results that they got from the increased collaboration and relationships yeah, the different different perspectives between different it would countries bring. and different business units yeah, has enhanced the business a lot. And so, you know, um, they've booked in all these programs next year that will also still be on Zoom because they want the mixture of different women in different countries. You know, I want to kind of travel to yes, these countries. so do I. I but, and you travel, will be able you know, having, to. You will be able you know, to and there will come the time you know, when you go and meet them and it'll be like, yeah. wow, I feel like I've known you forever. But the weirdest thing yes. for me meeting people as we've been let out of yes. lockdown is, oh, you're much taller than I thought you were or smaller or, you know, but people do look a bit different. But um, yeah. but you can get to the you can get to the essence of someone, I think, quite yeah. well when they're just a talking head on the screen because uh, oh. you're not distracted by yeah. what they're wearing, what size yeah. they are, anything really. It's just all about, you know, what's between their ears and what's yeah. coming out of their mouth. That's right, Jules. So, yeah, all these groups I'm finishing up now at the end of the year, the women, you know, in Asia and New Zealand are saying, you know, when you come over, we're going to have lunch and dinners and I can't wait to meet them face-to-face. But it's been, look, I'm so glad that I did go online and that I've really got it down, Pat. We use breakout rooms a lot on Zoom, so it's still highly interactive. Every 45 minutes we're getting up, stretching, moving. So people, because I'm, I'm very conscious of people's bodies physically, so doing a lot of sitting and standing and moving despite being on the computer because I think that that is one of the biggest problems and, and you know, around yep. back problems and neck problems that we're spending so much more time on the computer and I'm really conscious of that. So I'm, I'm really grateful and it's definitely been a big addition to my business and will continue to be. So as I said, next year, but I think going forward, I think there'll be a part of my business online and then a part that I'll do face-to-face and there are some benefits. I mean, there are. I have more time. I don't have to commute as much, and so I can do more sport That's or right. and, and time be, with my loved ones. And to be honest, so Mim, when you go, tra- if you want to go travelling around the world now, you can run those classes as if you're in Australia mm. and no one will know. So it yeah. does kind of open up that travel for you. You can bring yeah, your business with right, you, which you couldn't yeah. do before. Yeah, that's right. So, I mean, who would have thought that it just has upended so much? It's really quite incredible. So, look, I think that that I think that's been probably my biggest challenge so far, which has actually turned into a really big opportunity that I, I, I just absolutely did not see coming. And I would not have got online if it wasn't for that because it just wasn't my natural bent. And yeah, great. So thank you in some ways, pandemic, which we, <laughs> which mm. we can't believe we're saying, but yeah. it's true. So um, 
just That's lastly, right. are there any tips? So we've got women watching who are in business. We've probably got younger women who are thinking about starting a business. Have you got any tips that you would offer from your experience of running yeah. your own business or from all the work that you do with leaders uh, for women in business to just help them um, move on to the next stage or, or kind of get up to the next level maybe? Yeah. Look, I think I think one of the biggest things that holds people back, but particularly women, is that we're not as comfortable asking. And um, Kemi Nepkavalis has written a book called The Art of Asking, and she has this lovely expression where she says, we need to be an <laughs> asshole, not an asshole, an asshole. Yes. We have to le- I love it. We have to learn to ask for what we want and not be afraid of rejection or of saying no. But so much of my work has come through me asking for introductions or asking favours of people and to give them the opportunity to say no or the opportunity to contribute, which they can get a lot of joy from giving. I get a lot of joy from giving to people. So why do we deny? Absolutely. You know, you just hit the nail on the head. I remember um, I was watching a, 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 it was one of those breakfast networking things and there was a guy on the stage and he was talking about, he was working, he was in advertising and he was working with it was either World Vision or the Red Cross. And he was saying, he was a psychologist as well. And he said, the funny thing is that people go out there announcing things. But he said, when they decided to run a campaign where they said, will you help us? I think it might have been for the blood bank. We need more blood and we'll give you two biscuits and a cup of tea afterwards. Yeah. He said the number of people that did it just skyrocketed once they said, will you help us rather than uh, this is what we're doing. And if you want to help us, you can or you're not. But you're right. I think so. So many people, and we're all the same, we're wired Ah, to want to be able to help someone if we can. And so if you use that magic word, I need help, it's amazing the difference it makes. Yeah. That's right, Jules. And just to, the, the, the worst thing that can happen is that people don't respond to your email or that's say right. no that they can't. And then you move on to the next. We've all lived with people who say no and, and that's okay not to take it personally. And I think to also get some strong support around us, which is kind of another form of asking, but making sure there are loved ones that you can go to or people that you can go to to share the good, the bad and the ugly because it, it can be lonely, absolutely. And I think that for me, business is really all about relationships and to to be as relationship focused um, as opposed to transaction focused, because I think that what, you know so many so many good business I opportunities come agree. from strong relationships. Um, now, Mim, if anyone wants to get hold of you, what would be the best way for them to do that? Because I can imagine loads of people are going to listen to this and go, "Oh my god, yeah, I want to work with to that hear woman." Ah, <laughs> oh, thanks, Jules. Well, look, we would, so in addition to the change up leadership programs that I run in corporate, we run a couple of public change up programs each year in Melbourne and Sydney. And because it's all referral, we have incredible women from, we do have some men, but mainly women from corporates and small businesses, entrepreneurs and some non-exec directors. And the collaborations and partnerships that have come out of change up is really special. So if you go to my website, mimbartlettconsulting.com.au and get in touch with me that way, I'd love to hear from you. It would be fabulous. 
Oh, fantastic. Mim. Thank you for the opportunity to be here and to talk with you and for all the work that you're doing elevating women. Thank you so much for saying that, but really you are amazing and I love everything that you've done and that you've shared your story with us. So thank you so much. Um, For those of you that have been listening and watching, if you've enjoyed this, please make a comment. Please subscribe. I'm doing interviews with incredible women every week. Um, We also have um, a podcast where I'm also interviewing amazing women, which is called She's the Boss Chats, and it's available on just about every platform that's out there. Um, we have uh, lunches, online lunches that I still do with female founders, even though we're coming out of COVID. And you can find out all about it on she'stheboss.com.au. So I hope you've enjoyed this episode and I'll look forward to joining you for the next one. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of She's the Boss Chats. For more information and to find out about our other initiatives, including our weekly lunch for female founders and our TV show, go to she'stheboss.com.au.